up, man? What's happening, bro? You look great. <laughs> yeah, likewise. I like the beard. You really, it's really grown on you. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, if it wasn't for my girl, I would have never done this. Like, usually I just leave the goatee and that's it. But I never really? thought that uh, that the whole beard thing completely will work. I'm a, I'm yeah. a bear man. I'm a, I'm a, ver- I'm a bear, you know? So yeah, I get that, man. It takes, it takes a while for this to grow because the chin area, it's easy, but the side is like, you know, it, it takes forever, but apparently it worked, man. Yeah. Yeah. I usually just keep it around this area. I always, I just shaved recently because uh, the goatee doesn't work for me because it, it just makes such a lump on my neck <laughs> and I don't, I don't get the side. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep my uh, Robert Downey Jr. beard. Oh, so we're going Iron Man now style, huh? Yeah, I wish if I had the money. <laughs> I mean, you could still go the beer shape like that, but the money part, well, eh, we need to oh, well. we need to invent Iron Man and the reactor. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well, how's it new. going, bro? What what brings you? What what's new on your world, man? Currently, I'm working three jobs. So non stop action for me. Jesus, what, free jobs. What, what did you say? I remember last time was um, you're a mailman and yeah, and the and the you're right now writing the show. Yeah, what's the first job? Uh, I do that in the uh, early mornings. Actually, I uh, I tend to gardens and mow lawns from like ten in the morning till three, and then I start my post office work right after four, and then and then I just go home and write until I fall asleep. <laughs> Holy crap, dude. That's your life right now? Yeah, it's going to be this. It's just going to be that. That's my whole summer. Holy fuck, bro. Actually, for the next two weeks, I'm only going to be working the two jobs because I'm taking double shifts at the post office. So I'm going to be there from nine to five, nine to until I'm done. Uh, and then I and then the other thing starts after two weeks. So I can go back to mowing and driving the mail and writing until I pass out. I'm taking it. I'm doing all of this because I'm planning on moving at the end of the summer. So, Oh, where are you planning to move? uh, Just to the capital of Iceland. Just go, go to Reykjavik where all my best friends are and where the producers are. And, uh, you know, all the opportunities are. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. So it kind of made sense. Yeah. Like you're saving up all that money so you could be, Literally where you have to be instead of traveling from island to island, right? Yeah, and also it gets kind of tiring trying to get a hold onto people when, when you know, when you're always trying to get them on the phone or through email. But I wish I could just, you know, knock on their door. Yeah, much being yeah. even more of a nuisance. <laughs> My teacher's like, yo, what's going on? I Why are you not there. answering the phone? I know you're in there. <laughs> I can see you. Stop hiding behind the couch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's actually pretty good. I mean, I mean, I say that's actually a nice, very goal to keep in mind. Now, you know, you're mo- you're trying to do as much as you can, so you that way you'll be a lot m- much more easier when you're in the mainland, you know, and you can do oh, yeah. your job much more effectively, right? Yeah, exactly. And th- then I could just like I know um, my plan is to when I move to Reykjavik, I'm gonna get myself like a sidekick like here like the post office thing mm. to something i can work later in the day so i have writing 
on the earlier parts and just before I go to bed, because that's where all the ideas usually pop up in the mornings and then right before I go to bed. Interesting. So it's only during the nighttime and the morning is when your ideas actually shine the most. Yeah, I think it's because the, the best ideas usually pop up around nighttime, which is really handy because I'm writing horror. And, you know, mm. when it's dark and it's uh, nighttime, you get all the scariest ideas. So when I type the shit up and uh, as soon as I go to bed, I'm still thinking about them. So I guess that's why they still creep up back in the mornings because they're still really, really fresh. You know what I mean? Interesting. I've never heard such a thing like that. That's very good, man. I think it's just because my brain is like nonstop. So <laughs> yeah, that that could be it. You know, <laughs> I mean, some of the things that I've heard that, you know, when you actually dream of something, you tend to write it down when you wake up because you're mm. going to forget about it later on if, yeah. you, if you don't write <clears throat> it down. So I, it's interesting how your mind actually sets to work that as soon as you wake up, it's like, I still remember what I did last night. And just like, Here's the idea, doesn't write it down. Let's go. Yeah, they usually just stick. Like, I also, I tend to remember a lot of my dreams. I had a, because my mm. dreams are like fever dreams. They're so weird that I, how can I not remember them? They're never just plain, actually. Like the other night, I had my first nightmare in about a few years. Really? And it, it, yeah, it was a dream within a dream. And then the first stage of it, I was drowning. Yeah. And, and so, in the first stage of it, I was in uh, the swimming pool here with a friend of mine and a pipe burst and the water pushed me up to the wall so I couldn't get back to the surface. So I was drowning. And so I wake up. Well, I thought I woke up, but it was another layer of the dream and it was all darkness. So I was drowning in two separate dreams. So when I finally act when I actually woke up, the first thing I did was gasp for air. Yo. Yeah, you, was, you definitely are the mind of a horror horror guy. Yeah, that's my worst nightmare, man. <laughs> well, that being stuck on the open ocean. <laughs> oh. I have such a th I have such a thalassophobia, man. I, I I can't hear whale sounds without passing out. It's <laughs> really well. I, I nearly faint if I hear a if I see or hear a whale. I'm just like, Ugh. it's just no. Which is so weird because I'm from Iceland and we're so proud of being like this fisherman country and everything. And everyone's just a hardcore. Sailor man, and here I am. Just no, keep that, keep that stuff away from me. It's too big. <laughs> hey man, I'm from the island of Puerto Rico, man, and that I'm surrounded by water, bro. Like literally, there's no there's no lifeline out on us, you know. So tsunami hits, like yeah, we're done, we're done. That's it, <laughs> you know, long, that's it. And um, and let me tell you, bro, everybody from the island loves seafood. I don't like yeah. seafood, and no, I get that. And I'm like, everybody sees me is like, why? You're you're Puerto Rican. You're from the Caribbeans. Like, you're well known because of your seafood food. I'm like, I know, but what can I tell you? I, I don't like it. I, yeah. I tried it well, and no. Yeah, it's not for everyone. I, I, I love I love fish. I, I I especially cod or stuff like that. But mm. I don't eat all kinds of fish. I eat like two specific types because there's this recipe we do here in Iceland. But oh. uh, if there's one thing I can't eat, it's shark. Have you ever tried shark? I have not. I've only tried swordfish. Yeah. Shark tastes like piss, like actual fucking really? piss. <laughs> it's so fucking sour. <laughs> oh my. Why the hell would the Chinese or the Asian people like get make soup out of those? I have no idea, but I do not want to try that soup. Nope. Nope. I'm good. Because there was this, uh, it was Fisherman's Weekend right now. So mm. you get these whole lot of buffets with all these different seafoods. I remember when I was a kid, I tried shark because I was always like, 
well, I think sharks are scary, but it's kind of cool that I can eat one and then I just <laughs> spat it out. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's disgusting. Is it is it because it's bitter or is it like it has like it's very salty? Like what makes it like nasty, nasty? It's like bitter, sour, and salty. It's just like it's it just takes the cake Ooh. for just I think the word for it is it tastes wrong. That's what it tastes like. You just oh. you take one bite of the shit and you just go like <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Just me. it's it's better off to like you know what let them swim over the ocean like let them yeah. do their thing yeah exactly damn uh, my da- my dad's actually a big fisherman there's a video of him of youtube somewhere where he's on a some of this little speedboat mm-hmm. this giant ass shark is uh, swimming beside him and he actually leans over and like grabs his fin because he wanted to touch the fin of a shark it, it's a cool video i'll have to send that to you someday send it to me whenever you can man and uh what? Yeah. That's wild, bro. One thing I always learned when I was surfing is that when you see a little fin nearby, you calmly and swim away to the shore, you know? I do not want to test that theory. I don't want to test that theory of being mean in the fin or anything because I don't know if that, that day that shark is pissed off and yeah. he just wants to jump off the the water and just landed on the boat like yeah. sharknado style <laughs> yeah my dad's hardcore man that's just <laughs> i think it's so funny that that was the first thing that came to his mind it was just like i'm gonna touch it <laughs> <laughs> like no 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 why 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 would you why would you tempt faith you don't tempt faith yeah. like that no yeah like if, if that had been me i would just i, I probably would have passed out but, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Like uh, every time I take the ferry, when I have to go to the mainland, I have to mm-hmm. take this 45 minute ferry. And even there I get Jeez. panic attacks and it's 45 minutes. It's just like, I can't look at the ocean. I'm just like this and just cowering, look, playing poker on my phone or something. Jesus, bro. So that shit is severe with you. Like, do you get nausea when you're on the boat? No, weirdly enough, I, I like, I don't throw up like at mm. all. For some reason, I just, uh, I think I you throw just- up every every once every five years or something okay so you just basically get anxiety attacks from from being on the boat yeah i think it's just because uh i had this experience when i was a kid with my grandfather he's Mm. also like big in this uh he wanted to take me to this place called flate which is an even smaller island outside the uh, north coast of iceland you have to go take a boat boat there and he he owns a boat yeah and we were sailing around around flate and this this dolphin just jumped right in front of the boat. Oh. Uh, barely missed us. And uh, for some reason, that kind of sparked the idea of like, had we been going just a few miles faster, would he have dunked into us? Uh, and then then I started thinking like, is there something bigger? Is there a whale under the boat that could pop up any second? And for some reason, just I want to leave the boat immediately. I wanted to be on land after that. And then 2000 and I think it was 2004, mm. eight years old. Well, I, well, I'm on my eighth year and I'm in grade school. And this is actually a really funny story because this happened just right after that incident with a dolphin. Okay. Uh, the school, well, at least my whole class, my my whole age group was watching uh, Finding Nemo. Okay. And, uh, and that scene with that fucking whale, when it comes closer and closer to the, you remember the scene they're trying to talk to this whale and then suddenly a whale starts appearing in the background it comes closer and closer and closer before it you know swallows them oh yeah. 
right. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So when the whale came closer and closer and closer, just popped out of the background. Yeah, I ran. I ran out of the uh, classroom screaming. It it freaked me out. No shit. Just I could not bear to see that thing. <laughs> Damn, bros, that that's messed up. Yeah, it was a lot to take in. I, I think it was just it, it, because it was right after that whole thing with the dolphin. All because of a freaking dolphin. Yeah, yeah, dolphins, man. Oh, dolphins, nah. man. Although uh, we we are pretty famous here in Iceland for having uh, probably the most famous uh, orca ever, Keiko. He was uh, he was the whale in uh, uh, Free Willy. Oh, really? Gecko was from Iceland? Oh, yeah, I didn't from, know that. I didn't know that. A, yeah, he was in uh, Westman Islands. I actually know the guy was his caretaker. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Yeah, they made a documentary about him recently. And uh, Svenny, his name is, he was uh, interviewed. He's a really chill guy. He's really funny. Dan, I haven't got managed to watch any of those documentaries, man. But I w- I'm always intrigued watching those Orca documentaries, bro. Especially yeah. the ones they keep kept in these sea worlds and Miami Aquarians and other places in the world like it's very interesting because uh, it's it's sad to keep such such um are they known to be passive or aggressive whales i mean the like name orcas yeah i uh, i think they're pretty dangerous but not when they're like taken care of properly but in the wild i think i think you're in more danger of running into a wild orca than you are a shark because they're, they're there's a reason they're called killer whales like they eat shark for breakfast <laughs> Jesus. I mean, I, I want I always wonder why the killer were apart. Like, do they kill whales or they can kill their own kind? And then yeah, I think I heard that that once before that they do they can eat sharks like it was nothing. That they'll fight for each other if they have to. And, th- and maybe it's because of uh, the surroundings where they come from. They're mostly hunting for food. Mm. So I, I guess whatever they see, they just see as food. Maybe, maybe that maybe that's why. <laughs> I mean, they do eat penguins and seals right yeah, yeah jesus bro that's that's insane um a, a couple of months ago i actually went to the atlanta aquarium it, it's known to be like the biggest aquarium in the east coast side of the united states and it was interesting because it was celebrating my girl's um birthday and we went there that place is huge when i tell you it's ridiculously huge I mean, they got a tank of the size of a football field that that has two whale sharks, not one, two whale sharks. And in that same tank, it has a couple of huge giant manta rays swimming around. And then everything else is just little fishes here and there, whatever size that they are. And then there's, and that's one tank. The other tank is they have a peluca whales, like the white yeah, whale. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like they got like three or four sets, something like that. They were humongous. And then they got another tank in which they got a bunch of other sharks, like talking tigers, reefs, scent tigers, like black tits, bulls, like, and then what the rest of it is just dispersed with other mini tanks. Like they got one with penguins, they got, one with dolphins, they got one with this and that. I'm like, it's humongous. And when I saw those whale sharks, wow, wow. They're amazing. Unbelievable, bro. Like you appreciate life itself when you see fish like that. It's unfortunate that, you know, that you get to see them 
captivated, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sometimes I feel like maybe it's maybe it's good or maybe it's bad because I feel it's bad because, you know, you, you took them out of their homes, you know, and now you're putting on display for show and shit and whatnot for people for for your own profits. But at the same time, I feel it's good because some of these sh some of these, you know, animals, they get hunted and they get run over yeah. and they get killed. So I, you know, it's a flip of a coin in which like, you know, look at the bright side to this. And, you know, at least they're alive. At least they're they're being get fed up every day. You know, they're safe. Nothing's going to happen to them. But at the same time, it's like, man, this sucks that, you know, all these animals are here, you know? Yeah, I get you. It's, it's a weird scale to balance it off. Yeah, <clears throat> you know? See, when it comes to aquariums like that, that it's that they're not doing any trickery shit. Like they're just there to preserve the animals and just give them, you know, give them a chance for them to live. I don't have a problem with that, you know, like, because at least they're doing it for them. They're trying to learn more about them and then try to, you know, feed them and, you know, kept them alive while other aquariums like, you know, the sea worlds that they use animals for their own entertainment purposes, like, you know, trying to train a fucking killer whale into behave, you know, I was like, hey, behave yourself. Yeah, exactly. That That's just that's just my opinion. I don't know. I, I feel it's just fascinating how you, uh, how things, you know, you look them on the killer whales. Uh, I one thing I did saw on one of the old documentaries on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it, the the Blackened Fish documentary or Blackened Story something. I, I totally forgot but, the title. I think it was called Blackfish. Yeah. It, I mean, it has to be like in Netflix that I learned some of these orcas, they usually they on the wild, their fins are never bent over. They get bent over when they're in the aquarium. I thought that yeah. was interesting. I thought it was like, holy crap. And then the amount of people that they kill in the freaking aquariums. And I'm like, okay, once it's like, okay, it's an accident. It's an unfortunate accident when it happened. When when you got 20 cases, yeah. um, don't we see the pattern here? Yeah, it's like a, it's like that old saying, first time's an accident, second time's a coincidence, third time's it's a pattern. Mm -hmm. That's the old saying when, uh, when the police are looking for a serial killer. Oh, oh, the pattern part. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I gotta say, I, I did not expect us to go into this whole aquarium uh, killer whale <laughs> mumble when you when you asked me to come back to your show. I gotta I mean, say, this has been an interesting turn. I, I mean, hey, it's called the Lone Wolf Podcast, man. We talk about anything about anything, man. Whatever comes yeah, out of our minds, let's go, let's go for it, man. So, right now, what, since we're now changing the subject into serial killers, you know, how's the horror show going with you, man? Well, it's uh, it's doing pretty good. Thanks for asking, by the yes. way. <laughs> it's uh, I'm, it's currently just in the writing phase because we're uh, because of all of my other shenanigans of right. having multiple other jobs. I haven't been able to get like my best ideas out there just yet because you know I I work myself tirelessly. Mm. Uh, also, my uh, my sister and her boyfriend are currently with living with us right now until they get can move into their own place. So there's a baby here. So sometimes I have to take care of her. Which, oh, okay. Which I don't even complain about because I love that kid. It's, Aww, <laughs> it's my favorite. congratulations. And, uh, well, yeah, it's it's funny. I keep myself really busy. Like uh, last weekend, that was supposed to be my weekend off, and I went to the capital. But mm. I was always on the move. Like I had to be this at this o'clock and this at this o'clock, and I had to be a place, 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 place. 
So it didn't even feel like a weekend off. It just felt like I was doing more of my usual stuff, but in Reykjavik instead. <laughs> That's pretty good, man. I mean, as long as you keep yourself busy doing things, you're, you're never bored, you know? Exactly. And I got this killer tattoo out of it. Though. Ah, let's see the tattoo, bro. Let's go and see it. Yeah. Let's put it in front of the camera here. Ooh, nice. Man, Stardust Dragon looks beautiful. It's pretty gnarly. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were actually going to color it, like have the actual Stardust skin color, like all white and blue and purple and green all around. But even... Yeah, that, that probably would have would have uh, bumped up the cost, but I, I I like it like this. It gives it a bit of a like a manga vibe because the manga is always in black and white. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, the the guy went super detailed, man. That's pretty dope. Yeah, it, it's phenomenal. Like, and I I always find it fascinating how uh like after having gotten a tattoo, this is my very first one. Oh, how much people hyped up the pain because this this just tickled, <laughs> like well. Well, maybe I, have a, uh, maybe I just have a high p pain threshold or whatever, but there was only one part where it hurt. That was when it was doing uh, the wings here because that, that's where the skin was the most sensitive. That, that kind of stung. But mm. other, other than that, I sat there with him for like four hours and I was just like, at one point, I was just closing my eyes and just like, are we done yet? <laughs> no, but he was, a, he was a really, really cool guy. We managed to chat about a lot of things like horror films and music and everything. He, we, we were just chatting while he was penetrating my body with thousand needles more than a thousand needles that's definitely more than thousands yeah uh, we're, we're i'm pretty that tattoo itself i'm pretty sure we you you can push down million needles threshold yeah probably the funny thing is it didn't even hurt until until it was done like mm, <laughs> so that's when you actually feel the actual pain out of it yeah it kind of felt like it because you had to go like another round to put like some of the whitish, the grayish color for all the details. And they put yeah, on this yeah. like numbing cream over it. So it wouldn't hurt as much. So mm -hmm. like an hour after he was done, uh, it finally wore off. And I don't think I've had my whole arm clenched for like two hours straight before, but I was just like, <clears throat> Oh dude. Yeah. I feel you, man. Like these are my tattoos right here. You see yeah. them? Yeah. So I'll tell you, this is my first one. This represents that. I mean, that's the logo of the of the podcast, uh, double yeah. triangle. But this is, you know, represents me and my three best friends. You know, each point mm. represents one of us. And then this is my artist logo. You know, as Wolfson. And yeah. then this is the round table. This is my first one. So obviously, I I expected to be a little bit painful, but it wasn't. It's it was it was painfully annoying. I would say yeah, yeah. the one that hurt the most was probably the the one closest to your wrist, to your veins. That was the one yeah. that hurt. And then this one, the round table, it started to hurt more when he went with the... the he had to go with three different needles. Yeah. One that will outline the whole thing. And then one that's going to color it, like put it all black. And then the fur one, which is like the, like the most finest, 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 like super little thin one of the needles. That's the detail one. That's the one that you go within the little detail marks. That one was the, the one that hurt the most out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a pain in my ass. And then and then I got my my finger tattoos right here, you know? But this didn't hurt. This was just nothing to me. I was just like, shave, you're done. It was like, all right, cool. That's it. I'm gonna do the Millennium Puzzle right here. Oh, that would be great. So that I way actually thought about. I actually thought of if I ever do get another one, I might put it on the other arm. Oh. I might put uh, 
Dragonic Overlord from Cardfight Vanguard and have him face Stardust Dragon. So it'd be like a Clash of the Titans on my arms. Damn, that's what's up, bro. All right. So you got ideas for the next one, huh? Well, yeah, I think I think I'll just uh, stand by this one for a while because it it's really pricey. I probably never would have gotten this if I didn't have a gift card for like most of the price. Yeah, I'm, but, I'm uh, pretty sure it was definitely pricey, but it was worth it, right? Yeah, well, yeah, it looks beautiful. It's my favorite Yu-Gi-Oh card, and yeah. it's, now he's always with me. See, that's and, better, uh, man. I mean, you know, like as long as you don't regret it, like you know, it's priceless at that point. Yeah, but uh, back to. Uh, Back to the business side of things. <laughs> All right. Business-wise, the last time we spoke here in the Lone Wolf podcast in one of our previous episodes, for people who can who are listening, they can check it out. I'll leave a description down below. We talk about Ali's, you know, adventure of being a, as a filmmaker, as a writer, and he was just pitching the idea of his show. So for many who don't know, this is a little re- recap. And this show, he had, he had to go through many people Many producers, right? To see like, hey, are you done with it? Are you done with it? And it was basically at the waiting game. And until it got to the point that he pitched it to the right producer and the producer say, yeah, let's go. And now he's actually finally writing the show. Can you tell the oh, yeah. more details about the show, like the name and the little synopsis and where's the direction that it's heading right now? Mm, I don't think I can give the title yet. So, okay. <clears throat> all right. All right. That's fair enough. Uh, we we had a bunch of different titles working mm. uh, until I finally found the one I was uh, comfortable enough with because I I want the title to make it you know it has to have a certain hook like you have to mm. I think about you like, see the title and you're just like okay so what's that about okay but, but it's still the same story it's about these three uh, young people finding themselves uh, through the adventures of paranormal investigations mm. uh, across Iceland. And it's really about them discovering who they really are through these ghosts and all the shit they encounter. And they have like their own personal issues. Like one has, two of them have been in abusive relationships. And and there's another character who they're not actually like friends with him, but he's the the biggest expert on the paranormal. So he was the one who helps them out in the pilot. But one of the leads uh, was actually uh, his childhood bully when they were younger. So they're not uh, on peaceful terms with each other, but they're working wow. together. Wow. Okay. We go into a bit of a detail to that in episode two. I'm currently mm. finishing up episode three, which uh, is probably, I think if, because this is probably going to be 10 episodes, eight or 10 episodes. And if I had to put my money down on something, I think the best episodes are going to be number three, seven, and uh, probably nine. Really? Those are the biggest stories. And I really wanted to tackle some interesting ideas. Well, not just everyone wants to tackle interesting ideas. What yeah. am I saying? Uh, like tackle the themes through the, through the, the ghosts, because mm. I don't like when horror is just scaring you for to scare you like jump scares and all that shit because i i wanted to like mean something and that's why like uh the pilot really is about toxic relationships it's not just about the ghost and mm. it. it's really about being in an abusive relationship and infidelity and all that shit you get, you get me yeah and then okay i'll admit the second episode is really it's a big ghost episode, but it has like this horrifying backstory. Uh, we do this great sequence. Uh, I'm not going to say the whole thing, but it does. Uh, we do get to see some of the backstory and we're going to have that segment uh, be in black and white while the 
while the leads are still in color so they're seeing what happened so you can like really tell oh. where everything is and that was just something that popped into my head right before i went to bed <laughs> of course bring in more and, ideas uh, let's go yeah and then the third episode is that that was a that was actually something that started off as a film script uh, for me a while back but i could i couldn't like tackle it in 90 minutes or 2 hours because i thought it was just I don't know how much longer I could drag it out, but I thought this would, this would be perfect for like 40 minutes to an hour. That episode three, the main theme of that is uh, about negative self-image, which I think is just uh, a really important topic. So I want to like, how can I create a ghost story out of that? You know, self-image. Interesting. And now throughout this series, not, you don't need to spoil much about it. Now throughout this 10 episodes, they're all each like, at least from 40 to an hour episode, right? Yeah. So far, the all the scripts I've written are more than 45 pages. So, And uh, I, I think episode two was actually like, it's shorter in terms of page length, but there's this, like, but that's because there's this whole giant segment with no dialogue and dialogue boxes take up so much space on the page, but it's all scene descriptions for like five pages. So that's going to be a one hell of a scene. <laughs> wow. So they haven't even started right now. They're just in the writing process right now, you know, trying to yeah. write all the 10 episodes right now. And you yeah, say right. that you're by 10 episode free. Yeah, right. Right now, it's all me. It's just me mm. by my keyboard because, uh, well, I just want to write these things myself. I know how I work and I've written scripts with other people, but usually it's us creating the story together and then I go and write it myself. Or I, I, I wrote this uh, horror comedy with two of my friends. And they actually wrote a significant part of it. Like uh, I would outline the whole thing and I was just, I would be like, Hey, uh, you write scene 10 to 20 and then you write scene uh, 21 to 30. And then they would hand that back to me and I would like touch it up to make it you know, more consistent with, uh, with what I had outlined. So I, I think I'd be a hard co-writer to work with because I would never want anyone to touch up what I did, but I have to be able to touch up what they did, you know? That's it. That's very interesting because I, I was gonna actually ask you. I never. I don't know how. How does it work? Having a group of, let's say, a bunch of writers try to write a movie. Let's and then you do like, all right, you do this thing, you do this scene, and then somehow they all coexist, or you know, somehow they manage to be, you know, one thing. I always wonder how that usually that works, and you just basically answer that. You just go and touch up their things. Now, don't yeah, you? Yeah. I, I think uh, I got to be a little more demanding on that one because it was my idea originally. Mm, okay. And then I went with I went with the idea to a friend of mine, and we just started creating like these funny scenes because uh, it's a horror comedy. Yeah. Uh, it's about these uh, young adults who go into a house and try to rework it into something else. And there's a ghost that lives in there, but he's actually the fucking victim in it because <laughs> he's, been, he's been living there for centuries. And now these stupid ass kids are like coming and try to fix up his house. It's a really funny script. And I came, I went with the idea to a friend of mine. And like I said, we just started creating these scenes and, and we made a small outline and then went, we went to another friend of ours with it. And suddenly we just had these endless ideas for scenes. And then I made this outline and one of them created the characters for it. And the other one did a lot of other stuff, uh, like designed them. He like drew them up and he drew up the, the house and everything. And, and then I made the outline and then I did this giant outline, like scene one has to be this, scene two has to be this, scene three has to be this. So I was very comfortable in handing them 
those notes is just like hey here's what scenes 10 to 20 have to be you write them up you send them to me and i'll you know and i i had to do very little i just usually just punched up the dialogue because the story was always intact and then when the first draft was ready we uh i think it's still the funniest script i've ever written well and with them because uh I read it recently. I found it in a, in a file in my computer and I read it and I was still howling with laughter. It's, eh, it's really... That's pretty cool. You guys are planning to send it to a, a, comp- a studio company, you know, like say, hey, can we make a movie out of this? Yeah, I really want this one to be made. I think I think if I, if like my show mm. goes all the way through and it does really well, I think that, that that's going to... I'm probably going to want that to be my next project because oh. it's just like, hey, I have this really funny horror film well, it's not actually a horror film. It's more of a comedy, but it, you know, it it has some uh, gruesome imagery in it. But yeah. my word, it's it's such a funny fucking script. Damn, bro, I I'll be I'll be interested to see something like that, man. You don't you know, it's very rare to see those horror comedies. You know, like yeah. the only one I've seen up to now. Would you consider Scary Movie a horror comedy? Isn't that more of a spoof? Yeah, it is a spoof. Like they're making fun of the of the horror movies. You know. Yeah. I I'd actually were, consider they, the I'd actually consider Scream to be more of a horror comedy because it's you know it's mm, it's pretty funny. Interesting. You know, I actually found Scream Free much more funnier than the first two. Yeah, I think that was because they had become too self-aware at that point, so they yeah. were just cracking jokes. Yeah, that's very interesting. And then the last one that I saw, it was just like a. Eh. Like it, yeah. it should have never <laughs> happened, and now they're making a fifth one, and it's like, okay, now you guys are really like going more off the spoof, you know? Yeah, but I, I, I still welcome it. I, I want more horror comedies. <laughs> have you seen any of the works from uh, um, Broken Lizards, uh, either Dre- Dreadful Island? No. Do you know who Broken Lizards are? No, I really don't. Um, have you heard of the movies like Beer Fest, uh, Super yeah. Troopers? Yeah, I know yeah, yeah, I know Beer Fest. Yeah, well, those same actors, those same five actors, they all work together in the in that company called Broken Lizard, and they make other mm. movies. And they're they're mostly they're all comedy movies. They're hilarious. There's this one movie that they make. It's called, I think it was called Dreadful Island. I know I have it around there in my DVD section, and it was an old movie. But the whole premise is basically, you know, you're on an island full of you know people who are doing you know, spring break shit, you know, and then there's a serial killer on the loose, you know, and then they do crazy funny stuff. But at the same time, there's like lots of gruesome stuff at the same time, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's so funny because when people like mention horror comedies, I I can't help but think that some of them are just straight up comedies, but because some things I wouldn't really classify as horror if it's just like gross out stuff, but like think of, a great horror comedy is Shaun of the Dead. It's a it's a good horror film. Oh and it's a, yeah, it's a great fucking comedy film. Oh yeah, I never but, thought about it. I thought it was just straight comedy. I thought yeah, that was but, straight comedy. Yeah, but like I saw it when I was really young, so it's it was really scary to me. Oh, it, it, it's funnier now, but and uh, like uh, one horror comedy that always makes it on top of horror comedy list is is honestly a film that I consider just a straight up comedy. It's uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. You've seen that one? I haven't, but I have seen clips of it. Yeah, like it's amazing. Like it's basically like coming off. It's the same thing as, you know, uh, 
Ash versus Evil, right? Like yeah. only in this case, there's just two hillbillies. Yeah, and all of these young adults think they're trying to kill them, but they're really not. They're they're just really they just come across that way, and that's what makes it so funny. Like they think he's coming after them with a chainsaw, but yeah. it, the reality is he's running from a from a hive of bees. <laughs> And I like that play on perspective. That's what I did with my horror comedy script, uh, Moonlight Manor. It was called, like, it changes perspectives. So from the perspective of a ghost, from the ghost, it's really a, a comedy. But if you look at it from the perspective of a young adult, it's a horror film. It just, it, it's wherever we're focusing on, it right. changes tones. That's pretty interesting. Now, what would you consider to be comedy horror? Like, what what is it that makes it, you know, the horror aspect inside of that comedy? You know, is it like you say, is it the gruesome part that that's what makes a comedy horror? Uh, I just think like when you find the correct thing to emphasize on, like mm. Shaun of the Dead has some great horror stuff in it, but it's really it's funnier. It's more funny than it is horrifying. But then you have like scenes of the zombies ripping out that guy's chest and it's just, oh, that's terrifying. OK, so and I can't really like, uh, OK, let's say like. Ash versus Evil Dead, the mm. series. That's a yeah. horror comedy series. Yeah, yeah and yeah. also like Evil Dead Two is a horror comedy. Well, it, it, well, it is nowadays. It was probably scary back then, but it's really a horror comedy. Yeah, today. especially when he loses his fucking mind. <laughs> That's a great scene. <laughs> That's like yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, you just lost it. That's it. Like that's yeah. it. The evil one at that point. Yeah. I just remember when I, uh, when I was watching the trilogy with my friend, and we actually have one of those deer heads in our home. Oh, yeah. And he hadn't realized that yet. So when we were watching the movie and then he just looked to his eyes and it was right there. He just went, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, after I seen that, it's like, I don't want to have any animals decorated. You know, I'd rather have stuff that I'm pretty sure that will never come to life. Yeah, I think the rule is just uh, a horror comedy puts the puts the emphasis on both. It, it puts the horror and horror and the comedy and the comedy. It, it never like breaks it never breaks focus on what should be scary and what should be funny that's mm. why Shaun of the Dead is so great because the zombie stuff is actually pretty scary but when it but then when it goes in for a joke about it it, it doesn't feel out of place it's just right. really funny that's that's very interesting you know I I yeah like now when I'm thinking about it it's like so many of these co comedy horrors you don't see them that often that's so little about it like not many people actually do it do you think it's because, you know, it's like it's a hit or miss type of stuff? I think I, I just think, well, if I if I had to have a theory about it, it's mm. probably because straight up horror films just make more money because people mm. want to go into the theater and be scared and they want to take their their date or their girlfriend and they they want to be scared together. So so if you took your date to like Tucker and Dale versus Evil, you're not going to be able to you know, cuddle with her in the theater because you're both just howling with laughter. And hmm. uh, like I, Tucker and Dale actually underperformed at the box office and so do many horror comedies. They just, for some reason, they just, I think it's because of the, I don't think there's a crowd for it. Like mm. we, we like horror comedies, but I honestly don't think there's a crowd for it mm. because you either want to see a, like, is it too scary for someone who enjoys comedy? And mm. Is it too silly for someone who likes horror? Like, you know what I mean? Mm. Okay. Yeah, there's not a specific target audience for the movie makers to go and hit it, you know, and, and get it from the from the bots office. You know, it's it's two it's two different worlds and you're trying to try to please two different things. 
Yeah, and also if you're like doing a horror comedy, you have to really write that line like carefully. Like mm. this has to be scary, but this also has to be funny. But now you have a scene where you don't know which which <laughs> which it is. Do you believe that doing a comedy horror is much more harder than to do a simple horror or simple comedy? Yeah, I honestly think so. I think like because like writing a good horror film or doing a good horror film is really hard and making a really really good comedy is also really hard. So if you if you're trying to go for a horror comedy, like good luck. Jeez. <laughs> How long did it took you to do yours? Uh, I think, well, it didn't take that long. The The writing process was probably the longest because it was, because we were always switching gears on which one was writing it at the moment. Mm. Because I usually type really fast. Like so, sometimes I'm afraid smoke will come out of my keyboard. <laughs> but uh, I think it took us, I think it took us three months to write it. But that was just like the first two months went into all the ideas and the synopsis and outlining and the the, la- the latter month went into the writing part so Jeez. like uh, I, that that's my whole writing process i type fast but i but i i'm such a slow starter like uh, i had this idea once for this young adult film like uh, it was really inspired by dazed and, dazed and confused and uh, i worked on that idea with a friend of mine for like 3 weeks mm. and then when that when we had the whole idea it only took me 2 days to write to write the whole script. Interesting. Two like days. I said, I two days. Fast. Right. Yeah. But your whole process is like, I guess, like I'm, I'm thinking about it, and it's like, okay, da, 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 like a train. Yeah. Exactly. Like uh, with the, with the series I'm currently working on, I was like months working on just the outlines and the ideas and everything. And when I met met, met with my producer. And he asked if I could hand in the pilot within a month. Um, I sent it to him a week after that meeting. So, Jesus, like, yeah, you're ready. He's like, yep, here you go. That was because the whole idea had been so formed in my head for mm. the last like few months. So when it came down to the typing of it, it, it really just, it just it flew out. That's pretty dope. And you already have an idea of what's to come on the and the next couple of episodes. Like, do you have like already like outlining your head? It's like, all right, episode five is gonna be this, six is gonna be this, seven is gonna be this, da 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 da, da all the way to the end. Oh yeah, we I have it like thoroughly outlined. But like I said, I've just been so busy lately that mm-hmm. I don't have enough time at the keyboard. So right. that's been slowing down my process. But when I when I finally find the time, it's it's like a madhouse. Like after I have to lock my doors and everything. I just I cannot be disturbed. Damn, bro. Just like that. Like no disturbance. Like don't come in for no goddamn reason. That's it. Yeah. And I can't wait to write episode seven. That's probably the that's probably the biggest one mm. there. But I'll tell you a little bit about it. Just uh just Schmintz about yeah, it. just a smidge. So the whole idea is uh, the trio is coming back from a case they just like solved from the previous episode. So they're just driving back home, and then there's this like like blinding fog on the road, and we've all experienced that. And yeah. they're not sh- exactly sure like where they are on the road, but they're still in Iceland, so they kind of should know. And they were just like, okay, we made that right turn, and I think it was over here. And they take a turn, and when they uh, realize where they are, they're in a completely new place. It's it's a whole town that's not even on the map. It's just something they didn't even know existed. 
Oh, wow. And so that's as far as I can go with that because the rest yeah. of that thing is the, probably the scariest thing I've ever concocted in my in, in this big brain of mine. Jesus, bro. And when you're writing down any of these, do you get any sort of inspiration or reference from movies or TV series from horrors that you can come up with? Like, I, like for example, it's like, oh, shoot, this show did this. Like, I can do something similar to that, but better. Or have you you know, had any of those? Well, I'm inspired by a lot of things because mm. like, if you look at some of the great horrors today, they, they're all inspired by the same things like the haunting of Hill house, for example, yeah. it, it's just, it's just the haunted house thing, but they do a completely new spin on it. And that's probably what my mind tends to wander to because I had in episode two, there's this, uh, one of the characters has this like monologue and, I hadn't planned on having one of them have this like soliloquy of sorts. It's a really dramatic scene. And he's pretty much, uh, he's not only telling them, but it's just, it's like the first time he's admitting this to himself. Mm. And when I stopped, I was just like, this feels like a Hill House moment, you know? Oh. And it's because there's a lot of monologues in Hill House, but like, I'm just inspired by a lot of things regarding horror. And I just like, how can I do, how can I make this like my Hill House? How can I make this my Silent Hill? Depending on what I'm oh, being inspired by. Oh, oh, we're going in the Silent Hill. Yeah, I actually wrote a, I actually wrote a Silent Hill film once with a friend of mine. Really? Interesting. Yeah, it was a, it was a short film. Uh, we were just going to do it for fun. We never found the time to shoot it, but we did shoot concept footage for it, which does not exist anymore, but I wish it did because it, it's great. It's, it's shot from the uh, first person's perspective and there's just this complete darkness and then a light bulb slowly turns mm-hmm. and then uh, the, the person, well, me with my phone on this level, so it gets a first person perspective. It stands up and he's just in the middle of, he, he's in the, in the cellar of an apartment complex and it's just like dirty and it's rotten and everything. And he starts to look around and then he walks and he's on this corridor of doors, a hallway of doors, and he tries to open a door and doesn't open and he tries another one. And then he sees a third one. And when he reaches for it, or when I reach for it, the doorknob goes down on its own and the door opens up. And I try to, I look inside and there's nothing. And then I hear this like, <laughs> like it's, it's such an ugly noise that I hear. Ooh. And I look down and there's this small toy car with a, like a rotten teddy bear plushie. And it's just starts driving on its own down the hallway. Oh, it was really fun to shoot that. <laughs> oh, hell no. I- that was a really fun day of shooting. Oh no, bro. Speaking of of fucking Silent Hill, I play I, I played the new Resident Evil Eight Village. Have yeah. you have you managed to take a chance out of it or look at it? Uh, well, uh, I don't know how I'm gonna come across here when I say this, but I I really don't play video games. Okay, okay, so and so it, you but, don't care if I spoil it for you. Go ahead, but it's not that I don't pl- I I play some video games like right, I, right. like my brother just got the new Ratchet and Clank game, and I'm gonna be all up in that shit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That game is also fire. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, 
Let me tell you this. So obviously the Resident Evil series is uh, it always has been like an ups and downs, you know, when most of the time when you get a high high, that's like that's when the series hit, you know, number one. And then after that, you it's the expectations are high. So, you know, I guess like when once they push the threshold of Resident Evil 4, that's, you know, Resident Evil 4 happens to be like the best of the franchise, you know, because they actually somehow perfectly met well the horror aspect and the action aspect you know so when they try to did five five was good but it you know it lacked a little bit of the horror part and when they did six six became like a fast and furious style of zombies shit you know it was like all right you know you lost hope so everybody's like everybody lost hope with resident evil you know there was like oh no then it's funny enough that pt uh from Silent Hill, from Kojima. I hate Konami for what they did dirty to Kojima, bro. Yeah, because me too. I, I, that was that was gonna be one of the few video games I was gonna buy. That was gonna be the best horror game of ever created. Yeah, I mean, look at the people working on it. You have Hideo Kojima, and you have Guillermo del Toro, and then you have Junji Norman, Ito. No, then you got Norman Reedus from The Walking Dead, like to to sell even more. Like that was. Blatantly gonna be the <clears throat> best, one of the best horror games that never was, unfortunately. Yeah. But, but because because of that little demo, it sparked, you know, inspiration from many many games. I've seen a lot of um, PC games from PC companies that do PC games that took a lot of inspiration from PT, and they did their own games based on that. Like, Visits yeah. is one of them. It's actually pretty cool. I've seen some of the footage. It was like, holy shit. Okay, this is like, yeah, I don't fuck around with this. You know, no, definitely. And then Capcom took advantage of the opportunity and made Resident Evil 7, hmm. which basically took place in a, an abandoned house with a family that they're all infected with, you know, a certain virus and they do some nasty gnarly shit. And it's like, but it's all first person view, just like, you know, PT and, and just like PT, like any given time, one of them will pop out and start to follow you all around the house that they're not going to stop until, you know, you get away and you proceed, you know? So that actually came people's expectation. Like, Oh my God, we're back. Okay, cool. They capitalized it because PT would have swapped Capcom all around. They would have killed the Resident Evil franchise for sure. But I'm trying to get to the to the to the actual game. I know it's a kind of little story. So they try to make the remakes of two and three. Two was amazing. Three was kind of a flop. So now the expectations of the last game, Resident Evil 8 Village, was like, uh, uh oh, how is this gonna be? Is this gonna be another flop or is this gonna be good? So the expectations were all around. When the game landed, it landed perfectly. It was like, this is exactly what we were expecting. Like, this is great game. This is a great game because they managed to influence a lot of horror aspects into the game. Like, they put vampirism, lycanthropy, or like lycanthropy. I keep, mm. They kept um, machinery horror. They kept um, PT-style horror, like ghosts and Goes and dolls and and, mer so, and mermaid so, horror. It was just like horror's greatest hits. Basically, it was horror's greatest hits all under one game, and somehow it managed to blend in perfectly. I was like, wow, this is actually pretty good. The best part of this game was a little bit earlier through the game 
is when you go to one of the houses and that house happens to be uh, called House Benaviento because supposedly it's been set in Roma, the scene. Um, this lady happens to be like all dressed up in black all around. And she has a doll. The doll speaks for itself. So she manipulates the doll. And it's a doll that's basically in a wedding dress gown with her face carved up. Like half of her face is like a shape of a half a moon and the other shape of a of a sun. That mission was by far the scariest moment ever in my freaking entire time. Because that game... That had that mission itself got to the point that it does their the the light flickering and then all of a sudden all your p weapons are gone. So you're now on a puzzle PT style esque mission. And when you got a little bit further, all of a sudden you got this grotesque, huge fetus baby monster following you with a screaming baby sounds. Like, oh, that, 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 and starts screaming at you, uh, screaming at you. And you're just like, and then the ominous music comes around. It's like, it doesn't help at all. I was shitless the entire time because I didn't know what was happening. This one time it caught me. It was horrible how I died. It, I was swallowed up by a freaking fetus baby monster. Like, that's a, that sounds gnarly, man. That sounds like the nastiest thing and the most spookiest thing. As soon as I got out of that mission, I was like, all right, I'm never doing this again. If I'm playing this game again, I'm not doing this shit. No way. No way I'm doing this. No way, bro. No, this, this is too much for me. That was just too much. So whenever you got a chance, go to YouTube and go do and just type in, you know, House Benevento Resident Evil 8. Just skip, scroll up, and then you'll see all the scenes and how it acted because it actually got the PTS style on it on point, you know. And yeah, I like that. Yeah, bro. Like it, it's you know, it's amazing how they managed to blend in so many horror flicks into one game, and then have that one get that one aspect of the game to make it like the scariest out of the entire game. And it was like, bro, Resident Evil back. Thank you. Like, this is what we wanted. We wanted the scary aspect of game. We want to know what a real horror game really was, you know? Yeah, I just, I think my brother has it. It's just like, uh, I don't play video games, like mm. almost at all, unless I'm revisiting some of them, like uh, Ratchet and Clank and Sly Cooper, because that was my shit when I was younger. Oh, yeah. But uh, aside from, uh, I actually uh, got a Japanese account and bought the Cardfight Vanguard game on oh. EX, and I can only play it in Japanese, but I already know the game, so I know what most of the cards do, so it's just like, but, and that kind of uh, broke probably an impressive streak, because uh, I bought that game this year, tw 2021, mm -hmm. and I think the last game I bought to play was uh, Metal Gear Solid 5. Ooh, interesting. I, yeah, like I said, I, I it's not that I don't like video games, I just, I don't have the time for them anymore, and there's mm. so, so much time goes into playing them. And, yeah. And, like, like, I'm a major film buff, but I rarely have time to watch anything anymore. I just, I don't remember what was the last movie I saw. I actually, unless I'm with uh, my best friend who whom I visit, Frequently, uh, he he lives in Reykjavik. Okay, we wind up watching something on his couch, 
Uh, we actually uh, rewatched the first season of Batman Beyond recently. Ooh, great show! Great show! Absolutely. And uh, yeah, but aside from that, I just don't watch stuff anymore. So I really don't have any time for watching stuff or playing games unless, like, if I'm writing or just want to cool down and play some Vanguard, I go on the Switch, play a few games. But I really like I I would want to play more video games if I had the time because I like playing horror video games. Like, mm. uh, I actually did play uh, that game last year with my brother and some friends that uh i think it was called phasmophobia Ooh, never heard of that one tell me okay so it's basically you team up with your friends and you go to a haunted house and you have to discover what what kind of ghost it is and you have to do all that you have to use an emf reader and you have to use like blue lights and you have to like use a ouija board or you have to discover what type of ghost you're actually dealing with and it can also kill you it's it's a really it's a really fun and scary game and you can't fight back well you can hide (laughs) oh oh and uh, and the best part about it it it, it's just an indie game so the graphics aren't like anything phenomenal but the best part about it was the sound Mm. because there's two types of communication that you use your mic when you're connected and you can hear the person, like you can only talk to them in close proximity. So you actually start to hear less from them when you go into separate rooms. And the other one is the radio where you can talk to everyone. And But then the sound is not quite as good. So I kind of like that aspect of like, if I go down to the cellar, I can't hear my friends anymore if they're on the top floor. So I thought that was fucking brilliant. That's interesting. That's a, And that's a PC game that you can get on Steam? Yeah, it's really fun. It's very cool because I like I said some of the best horror games they have it's been made by indie companies that you can only play it on Steam, you know? Yeah. Also there was this great like in this game, like you can hear your heartbeat when, when you're scared when the ghost is near you. And sometimes it will uh it can kill you. That means just you get no XP from from this and you can try to capture its photo or something before it kills you. But what I liked was before it even makes an appearance, if it's a certain type of ghost, mm. sometimes out of fucking nowhere, it will whisper something in your ear and only you can hear it. So no. it, it, it gets me every time it, it comes out of nowhere. And that, that's when you know it's in the room with you. And it's just like, I did not need this. No. no. It, it's just like... <laughs> Don't play with my emotions like that. No, yeah. I, I'll, I'll be screaming. I'll be crying at that point. Yeah. And also, like, if you use, there's this kind of radio which you can use to try to communicate with mm. it. And it was just like, are you with us? And sometimes you'll just hear, yes. And you just go, no, 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 no. I love stuff like this. It fucking freaks me out. No, I don't need. I don't need that. I, I and and yet I still watch. I still watch videos from those games, and I still scre- I freak myself out. I don't know why. Is it something human nature that we love to be scared? Yeah, I think it's just the survival instinct of it and the adrenaline and stuff. And also, what was great about this game is sometimes you didn't even have to play with your friends. You could go to an international lobby and join like four strangers. Oh god! And just do a mission. It was oh. really fun. But I really liked more isolated locations like mm. when it was just the two-story house or stuff like that because the bigger the map the more it just became boring because you were just walking around aimlessly and sometimes mm. it was just like oh it's just gonna be on the top floor so what the fuck is the rest of the map for yeah 
I had and, one, uh, yeah, I had one. Some of those, sometimes some of those games actually, you know, made absolutely no sense to make a huge map. And, you know, the objective is like in the corner. It's like, what was the whole point of you being wasting everybody's fucking time? Yeah. And also, you have in, in Phasmophobia, you have this sanity level. It starts at 100. And the, the more you, the more time you spend, spend in the location, it goes further down, which means you're more likely to get like killed by the ghost if you actually like bump into it. So, what? When, when you're in this huge-ass fucking map mm. and you just get lost because it's a giant map, your sanity level keeps going down, which means, like, that's how I died once because I've just been wandering around aimlessly because I couldn't figure out my way back. And then they finally went, like, we're on the top floor. And I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm at the stairs, and blah, 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 blah. And I went up, 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 and I finally reached them, and that's when the ghost attacked and killed me. Oh, wow. So... <laughs> So it just, I was just like, I did all of that for nothing. For nothing, basically. Man, that's some wild stuff, bro. I was actually gonna ask you about one of the uh, one of the video games that. Oh, uh, I recently finished the Fine Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, what you think? I like <clears throat> it. I like. <throat> I'm, I actually much more intrigued and involved with the story. Yes, yeah. I thought you know by the first game it was like you know okay it's a it's a security game you know like those teddy those fucking animatronics yeah bro like I don't want to be near any fucking animal. after I after I finished the Fine Nights at Freddy's it's like I don't want to be near that like this is so wild but the story itself like when you see it as a whole like wow these. The creator, kudos, bro. Yeah, there's like, a lot of lore. There's a lot. There's books. I didn't yeah. know there was books around it, but it's insane. Yeah, I recently saw this. Like, I think it was an hour long video essay about the whole story and lore. Because, like I said, I'm not gonna play those things. Yeah, but, I, but I'm fascinated by a good story. So, no, bro, the story itself is dope, and then the story behind the books. It's even much more fascinating how everything's all connected and there's a reason why all, all of this is happening. Like I like at one point it was like, bro, it's all about these animatronics, like they're coming back to life. And all of a sudden it's like, no, there's a reason why they're coming to life. It's not because they were malfunctioned. No, there's a ghost behind this all this. And I was like, wow, bro, this just went supernatural next level shit. And it's amazing. And now the new game that's coming out is called Security Breach. I can't <laughs> wait for the release because I now I'm hooked. Now I want to play more of these Friday Nights of Freddy's. But oh yeah, no, I, I hate Fatsy. I hate fucking Fatsy. 